Good morning. My name is uh, Daniel Samogi, as uh, that awesome intro was right there. Uh, I have the honor and privilege of serving here in North LC with the teens in campus. Yeah, thank you. Yes, we guys supposed to clap teens in campus, but it's okay. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, so I'm a recent graduate at Cal State Fullerton. And uh, I know this is Titan land right here, but I do notice in the crowd that we see, I see some anteaters, all right? That's because we have some of our UCI campus students here with us this morning. So it's great to be with you all uh, for UCI to be here today. Uh, right now, we are continuing our series titled The Upside Down Blessing. Oh, is this? There it is. The Upside Down Blessing. And the idea of the Upside Down Blessing challenges conventional thinking and highlights the paradox of worldly values and spiritual values. And with it, you know, it serves as a reminder of what is truly value and blessed may differ from what is glorified and celebrated in the world. And then we are continuing reading from Matthew 5. That's the, where Jesus gives a powerful Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to pick up in the Beatitudes as we've been doing. And the Beatitudes, you know, this, this is a series of teachings by Jesus that outlines the attitudes and characteristics that are considered blessed or highly favored in God's eyes. And as many speakers have said before, you know, the Beatitudes, you know, it's a very convicting uh, passage in the Bible. In my opinion, if you ask me what a disciple is, I would just point to Matthew 5 right there for the Beatitudes. And it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting, I want to say it's a hard, but it's very convicting to preach on Matthew 5 during the Beatitudes because it really helps check my heart on where my heart is. And as uh, some of you who weren't here, I know campus wasn't here, but last week Chris Galassi spoke. He did a great job speaking about uh, blessed the pure in heart. And speaking of that, the pure, I know he mentioned something about, uh, what was it, mosquito bites. I have a ton on my legs. That means my feet were stinking throughout the week, I guess. So uh, I have to do a better job at doing that. But today we're going to be picking up in Matthew 5, verse 9. And it reads, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You know, before I get into this, I just, peace. That's something we need. I don't know about you guys, but... I was on the news, like, just watching the news and just seeing things just about, you know, the, the mass shooting in Maine. Just thinking about how the people there, the family there, they're just unrested. They're at, not at peace. So right now, if you can join me, if you guys can uh, join me in prayer as, we, you know, we pray for the last one, but also for the folks in Maine. Uh, Father God, uh, we're just so grateful to, to be here. It's really a privilege to be uh, called your sons and daughters here as we worship you today, God. And God, as we uh, go over uh, Matthew 5, verse 9, about peacemakers, God, God, I really pray that you just remove me, God, and that you speak through me today, that you minister at the hearts of everyone here, that, you know, whatever we are in at life right now, that we can just put that on hold and listen fully to what you have to say. God, I just pray for the people in Maine who lost some of their loved ones, God, to this mass shooting. You know, they're, they're grieving, God. You know, we're all grieving, but they're grieving right now, too, for losing their loved ones. They're confused. They don't understand why. But, God, I know, God, you will be there. I pray that you give them an extra dose of your spirit, that you comfort them. You send your angels to comfort them during this time. And maybe during this time that they, they will turn to you, God. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we see here in Matthew 5, verse 9, you know, Jesus emphasized the importance of peacemaking. And the concept here of the upside-down blessing is in the context of being a peacemaker appears contrary to the prevailing values in the world. And let's think about it. In many cultures, well, not, not, don't even think about cultures, think about right here in the U.S. Success, power, recognition, 
They're often associated with assertiveness, dominance, competition, and even conflict. But peacemakers, however, they're, they're often, they often choose a different path. They choose a path of reconciliation, empathy, you know, conflict resolution, but in a nonviolent way. You know, this alternative approach that, you know, that leads to a worldly success or immediate recognition, it won't always lead to that, which is why it's called the upside-down blessing. So here we see here that, you know, Matthew 5, verse 9, as I was studying it out, honestly, there was like three words that was just glaring to me. Those three words were blessed, peacemakers, and children of God. You know, with blessed, you know, I'm going to give you a short summary of it. I feel like Marcel covered it pretty well. But blessed, this is not a superficial blessing. It's all about the eternal joy that is bigger than any circumstance that we might face. You know, another term for blessed would be fortunate and happy. And as Jesus was sharing this blessing to the Jews, I feel like each blessing kind of came with a gasp. Just like, wow, he said that. What does that mean? You know, just bless the poor in spirit. What? Bless the meek. Wait, why, why do I have to be weak? Bless the merciful. Why do I have to show people mercy if they don't show it to me? All that. But if you look here at your beatitude in the verse, this is the seventh beatitude. And I want to stress seven because it's so significant in the Jewish culture. For example, if you read in Genesis, you know, there were seven pairs of every pure animal in Noah's ark. So those who don't know Noah's ark, uh, God instructed Noah to go in the ark as he was going to flood the world and he was going to have his family going there. And he also instructed Noah to have seven pairs of each animal. You know, the number seven also is the seventh day of the week, which is Sabbath, which is we all love because that's a day of no work, we rest. But also, including rest, is we also worship God with all our hearts during that day. But also, which is interesting, is seven is said to symbolize completion, association with God, or the covenant of holiness and sanctification. So we know that the number seven here has powerful meaning. So I assume that, you know, when they were listening, or even when they read back on it, they were probably going through each beatitude, and they were like, okay, there's one, two, three, four. Oh, what's the seventh one here? Oh, blessed are the peacemakers. And in Jewish culture, this is where Jesus, I think, really is intentional with his words. Because in Jewish culture, peace is actually the highest ideal of life, something to aspire for. Peace is shalom, which is wholeness, completeness, fulfillment, inner rest, living without deficiency or lack. I mean, doesn't that, you know, hearing that right now, it just seems impossible. But, you know, Jesus, God, he really wants us to have shalom in the midst of crazy situations. I don't know about you guys, but who here can have a difficult situation having shalom? Maybe there's, yeah, a situation in your life where you are not experiencing peace. Maybe some of us today are feeling not at peace with God. Maybe not at peace with our spouse or significant other with our children, our co-workers, maybe not at peace with our finances. But I want us all to have the peace God intends to have for all of us. That's what God wants. And the reality is, though, peace does not come easy. You know, I love how in Matthew 5, verse 9, you know, in the New Living Translation version, it says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. You know, we have to work for peace. That's why it's not easy. It does not say bless are those if we hope for peace. Bless are those who keep the peace. God blesses those who work for peace. And funny enough, thanks to 
Google Docs, I was able to find an essay I wrote in high school in history class, which was about peace. And I reread it, and two things stuck out to me. One, my grammar was terrible in high school. I was just like, oh, like, Grammarly was underlining pretty much every other word I had there. But another thing that I found interesting was the fact that I did not know what peace was clearly back then. And even today, there's some things about peace I, I still don't understand. But in my essay, I wrote that peace was this, that, you know, if you guys know this, this is the world peace right here. And this was adopted big in 1960s during the anti-war movement. And with that peace, it was like in the absence of war or the absence of conflict. But we all know that that's not really peace. There are many countries that aren't at war with other countries, and yet they don't have peace. And to make it even more personal, maybe there are weeks, if you're fortunate, but let's say days, that you didn't have any conflict with your spouse, your significant other, your children, your boss. You didn't have any of that, but yet you still weren't at peace with yourself. Another thing I thought what that peace was, I thought it was agreement. I thought that, you know, peace is the absence of disagreement or conflict. Then we would have peace. Because we have disagreement, there will be no peace. That's what I put in my essay. And if we got rid of disagreement, then there would be peace. But, you know, if we didn't have disagreement, yes, it may bring a measure of peace, but it wouldn't bring, you know, peace that is actually everlasting. You know, peace is not the absence of conflict. I hope you guys know that. It's not the absence of conflict. Peace is, is the presence of the living God in the midst of our conflict. Okay. It's the presence of Jesus in the midst of chaos. And I feel like the next one, too, this is the last one I thought what meditation was. I feel like we all tried it, uh, what peace was. And I thought it was just the absence of stress and anxiety. You know, I, I thought it was just, you know, if I didn't have that boss or class or that job, if I can get rid of that experience or situation I just had, if I can just go on vacation, get my Zen experience, then maybe I can have that peace. But really, that's not true. All that right there, that's just an escapism in the moment. And here's the truth of what the Bible says in Jeremiah 6, 14. Peace, peace, they say, when they, uh, they say when there is no peace. You know, peace is never found in the absence of. It's actually the opposite. Peace is found in the presence of. And the peace that Jesus wants for us is in the presence of him. You know, shalom. But it doesn't stop there, of course, when we talk about peace in the scripture. It talked about a second part of the word, which was maker. And a maker means to do. So God calls us to do peace wherever it is that we live our lives. I feel like now that I hopefully define peace and maker for you at an okay rate, I want to talk about what peacemaking is and what it's not. To start off, peacemaking is not passive. It's active. You know, the kind of peace Jesus wants for us is not by a product of inaction. It's not peace by happenstance or hopefulness. You know, peace is an action word. I mean, you can hope for peace. Yes, that's great. But if you actually want peace, you have to go work for that. You have to do what it takes to find that peace. You know, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Like I said, it didn't say blessed are the peace lovers or the peacekeepers. It's people who are proactive in promoting peace. That's who are blessed. Peacemaking also isn't appeasement. It does not mean always giving in or standing for your own values. It's, and I just think it's fitting how, if you read Matthew 5, verse 8 again, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, 
once again, I just feel like Jesus was intentional with his words there because, I don't know, for some reason, I know some of you guys who've been in the faith longer, you guys notice that when you live a pure heart, for some reason, it just rubs people the wrong way who doesn't. It just causes conflict. You're just like, why? Like, I don't understand why. But what's funny enough is, though, Jesus was constantly stirring things up, though. It was mostly with churchgoers, too, as well, because the way he was living was offensive to them. So, and Jesus did not appease the crowd. Peacemaking also, it's not avoidant. You know, this is, all right, I hope you don't mind. This is like my therapy session right now. I used to think I was a good peacemaker, all right? I really did. But what I learned over, honestly, the past few months and even this past few weeks here is actually I was really good at avoiding conflict. I was really good at peacekeeping. And peacekeeping and peacemaking are totally different. Because being a peacekeeper is about avoiding conflict. It's about not, you know, sharing what you really think. It's about trying to keep the status quo the same. But peacekeepers, they step into conflict. And, and, you know, maybe they create it, but when they create it, it's not because of, you know, out of their own hearts they want to, you know, ruffle feathers on purpose, but it's because they want to have peace. They want to make sure everyone has the peace. And when I say this, you know, I think some of us here, maybe we think we're good peacemakers. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you think so. But after hearing this, maybe you feel like you're not. Because for me, I had to take a deep look at myself. And I had to realize, I'm not really good at this. If anything, I'm a coward. You know, I, I, I feel like I relate a lot to the Wizard of Oz with the cowardly lion. I feel like I don't have courage for some reason. And what's crazy is, and I say this because Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it's a scary thought. I think about some of the interactions I've had with people in my life who are experiencing trouble. And to think about how I wasn't a peacemaker for them. Heck, I wasn't even a peacekeeper for them. I was a troublemaker for the most part. Because when we withhold the truth from people, we're troublemakers. And we're allowing trouble to grow in someone else's life. And we have a perspective that can help them. And yet we do nothing and let that trouble grow in their life. As you know with conflict, if we do not step into it and deal with it, it tends to grow. And when it grows, it turns into a bigger problem and eventually we just push that further down the road. So peacemaking, it's not passive, it's not appeasement, and it's not avoidance. What I think a peacemaker is, I think of a person that initiates reconciliation. You know, a peacemaker goes out to mend broken relationships. You know, they take initiative to resolve disputes. They put themselves in that situation. They want to heal wounds. They want to foster unity. You know, this means taking responsibility for your own actions, your words, your attitude that may have contributed to the problem. You know, peacemaking, they're also, they also promote harmony, peacemakers do. They want to create an atmosphere of peace where they have goodwill wherever they go. They aim to unite people and communities rather than sow division. And promoting harmony is so vital and component in building a relationship, whether it's personal, professional, in here at church or outside in your community, because it helps create an environment where people can work together effectively. Conflicts are minimized or resolved in ways that benefits all parties. Another thing about peacemakers is big. They advocate for justice. I mean, think about it. We, we've seen it throughout history with the civil rights movement. You know, Martin Luther King... And outside of that, even before that, you know, Gandhi. You know, true peace often requires addressing underlying injustices, which meaning stepping in 
to that light and addressing issues. You know, wanting to correct wrongs and ensure fairness, which requires uncomfortability. Probably setting yourself up for being a martyr, as we see here with, you know, Martin Luther King and even with Jesus. And also peacemaking, they live out the word of God. I mean, peacemaking is an outwork of the word of God. It, it reflects the reconciliation between God and humanity through Christ and seeks to extend reconciliation throughout all humanity. So what does that mean for us, though? What does that mean for us as we're called to be peacemakers? I think, personally, there's three ways to become a peacemaker. We have to, first, know peace. We have to know peace before bringing it to anyone else. We have to experience the peace because peacemakers can't create peace to others if we don't start with peace in our own hearts. Ultimately, the only way to peace is through a relationship with the Prince of Peace, which is Jesus. And when we know peace, when we live a life for Jesus, we will live out what Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, that peace becomes the garter of our own hearts. That peace becomes the one that, no, we're not going to let that in our hearts because we want peace here. And that's just going to cause you stress. That's going to cause you drama. That's going to cause you tension. And when we experience that peace, church, we have to bring that peace to other people in our lives. And that's, our, that's my second point. To be a peacemaker, we have to bring peace. I mean, how do, but how do we bring peace? Practically, I would say this. If you are involved with conflict right now, directly, I would say just make the first move. Make the first move. And by making the first move, it isn't by going to the person and pointing out all the ways they have hurt you. No. The first move is humbly acknowledging that, you know what, I've played a role in this too. You know, I've, I've never been part of a fight where there weren't two people involved, there are multiple sides of the story. And by saying that, I'm not trying to excuse for what they did. But you're just saying, hey, you know what, I realize I created some of this as well. And I, and I played a part in this. And I want to apologize for that. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine... Can you imagine in a relationship where you're currently experiencing conflict, where if you just start off with that conversation, you're just first to go, you know what, hey, I, I have a role in this. Can you imagine the tone that would follow? I mean, so make the first move. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. I mean, isn't that biblical? That's straight out of the book of James right there. Okay. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because what if it's possible that you do not understand a situation as well as you think? What if there's a little bit more to the story and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to sit here and listen. I'm going to listen not for the sake of refuting or rebutting like it's a court case. No, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to seek to understand. So be quick to listen and slow to speak. And also, I know this is a lost art, at least for my, uh, you know, my group of people, but let's be agreeable even when we disagree. I feel like the world is calling us not to do that for some reason. I don't know why, but... Some of the closest friends that I have in this church, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things when it comes to things outside of Jesus. But yet, I still love them, and I know they love me. So we can be agreeable. And when we do that, we get to reflect peace. You know, I love that last part of the verse here, Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, when we step into the role of peacemaker, we will have that blessing 
You know, when we seek to bring peace in whatever difficult situation we are in with others around, they're going to say, wow, that person right there, that person's a child of God. That believer, that, that, they reflect God's value. You know, when I think about reflection, I think about a relationship with a parent and child. I mean, parents, when you look at your kids, you know, you see how they act. They may have picked up some traits from you, whether it was your sense of humor, whether it was your looks. I don't know what it is, but it's easy for you parents to look in the crowd and point out, oh, yes, that, that's my child right there. Because they look like me. They talk like me. They reflect me. And what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5, verse 9, he's saying that when you look like me, when you talk like me, when you reflect my values, when you bring peace in difficult situations, people will not be able to mistake that you are a child of God. You reflect the values of the living God. And I know we live in a culture that they just want to divide us in all kinds of ways, in different things. But what if things weren't different for us here? What if we were a church that really took this scripture to heart? And knowing that every time I get into one of those conversations with people, whether it's about politics, sports, you know, masks, vaccines, I really don't care. But knowing that, hey, I have my own opinion, which is great, but I also have a greater calling. And that calling is to be a peacemaker. And I'm going to bring people together. That's my calling. If we did that as a church, oh my goodness, I feel like we will have more people in this room saying that, hey, I came to this church. I came to the OC church because there was this person who was called a Christ follower, and they came into my life, and they brought peace in my life. When all I've experienced was tension, drama, stress, that's all I've ever experienced. And I heard this is a place where people who reflect God's value hang out. I hear this is a place who reflect Jesus come to worship. That's what I feel like would happen if we really lived out Matthew 5 verse 9. That is the true blessing right there. That is the upside down blessings, being called a child of God right there. And I say it's upside down because none of us, I mean, we're all adults. I know we're a child to someone, but really when you say to someone, oh, you're a child, it's kind of offensive, especially to the world. But here as disciples, being called a child of God, that is such a high calling because we get to reflect the values. People see that we are reflecting the values of God and they're not mistaking that. So let's be peacemakers. Let's be peacemakers. Let's reflect God and his values. Let's be called his children. So as I close out for some action steps this week, you know, I really want us to pray for the Beatitudes. This really has been so powerful and convicting for me, studying this out, examining my own heart. And I know I'm not going to live up to the standards of it, but it's great to always strive for. Also, let's just pray that we can become a peacemaker. There's so much going on in the world today. This world is really, really dark. We, we need to bring the light. We need to bring the everlasting peace, not this temporary peace. So church, as I close out, like I said, Matthew 5, verse 9, blessed are those who are peacemakers. Oh, let me go there. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I'm going to close out in prayer, and then we'll have uh, the worship team come back, back up. Right. Uh, God, just uh, I come to you so grateful for, for your word, God, for it to never to come back empty. God, as, as we uh, close out here, God, as we we're reflecting on the Beatitudes and being a peacemaker, God, God, I really pray that we get to make the everlasting peace here, God. 
that this world, they need people like us to bring that peace, God, bring that light, to bring your values here, God. So God, I pray that, you know, not only throughout the week, but throughout the rest of our life here, God, that we get to uh, bring that peace to you, to you, God, and to each other. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.